Amen? You know that's true, right? So a little bit of family business before I jump into the message. Um, Saturday nights have been awesome. They really have just been, uh, uh, I would say, a major success. I've had multiple conversations with people who have said, you know, uh, I wouldn't be able to come if it weren't for the Saturday service, and that's really why we did it, was to make room for people who can't come on Sunday. We have new people that are coming who just wouldn't have come on Sunday. Uh, but I just want to put out a little bit of a plug uh, that if some of you would prayerfully consider shifting your allegiance uh, to Saturday, uh, that will do two things. That will free us up for more guests on Sunday morning uh, and make things a little easier here, but it'll also help add more momentum uh, to a really good thing that God is doing. So it's not, I'm not trying to pressure you, uh, but if you just ask the Lord and he gives you a little nudge that Saturday would be good for you, uh, and then just think of the upside. You can get to the pancake house before the line. Yeah. Now, now there's people like, hey, we should think about doing Saturday for sure. All right, Uh, and then the other thing I just want to say is uh, there are way more things going on at Grace than we can announce, Uh, and if you really want to keep up with what you're doing, you're just going to have to get in the habit of going online and looking and seeing all the things we're doing. We made a decision a while back not to do a bulletin, and that was a strategic decision mainly because you guys just all left them on the floor anyway, Uh, and it was just a waste of money. Uh, It costs us a lot to print those, not very green, and really, with technology today, it's a silly thing for us to print what we can just give to you digitally, Uh, but if you're not going on digitally, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. We had the Love After Marriage weekend retreat. There were 40 couples here, uh, things like that that you just need to see coming so that you can jump in and and you can do what God is calling you to do and be a part of what, what, there's just way more than we can talk about on Sunday morning. So just know that, that's a great way for you to uh, be a part of it. So we're in week three of this thing that we're calling the one word challenge. And the basic idea here is instead of a list of resolutions that we know most of us aren't gonna keep, how many of you have already not kept the resolution you made for, you guys are all very scared to raise your hand. Balarkey, I don't believe you. I'm assuming most of you are raising your hands anyway. So instead of a long list of resolutions that most of us aren't gonna keep, what if we just ask God for one word? This is a word that we want to make part of our DNA, part of our character for the coming year, for 2018. Uh, You know, the the challenge that Martin gave us was, was a beautiful challenge that basically just said, imagine doing this year after year, a different word each year, and how much we would see transformation, how different we would be five years, eight years, 10 years down the road, as we have made different words a part of our DNA. And there's just been just so many different words that people have shared with me. I love the emails. I don't say it often. I may have never said it, but I'm encouraging you to email me uh, your word and just say, hey, here's my word. Here's what it means to me. Here's how God gave me the word. Here's what I think God's saying about the word. I got an email this week from someone who said that God had uh, gave him the word tongue and that they, God wanted them to control their tongue and that they gave, God wanted them to learn to uh, ask permission before they speak. And so that's the kind of thing that can happen. Imagine a year of sinking into that and, and different words. So just, just dive in and do it. The cards that are down here are for you as God gives you a word. And uh, we're still hanging on to the words that Meg gave us, which was let the word find you. So don't make one up. But as God gives you a word, we'd love for you to write it down on one of these cards and put it on the board. And uh, if we have to, we'll get another board and fill that one as well. Um, and that's just so that we have a visual of uh, what God has done, okay? The other thing we decided is that it would be great as we go through the series for you to hear from people other than me about their words. So I've invited the Coleman's. Uh, you just saw Gerald up here and his wife and the Grays to come up and uh, they're just gonna share their word and what it means to them. 
and just helps you to process your own words. Come on up. Woo-woo, very good. So why don't we just start uh, with Bryce. And Bryce, why don't you just tell everybody who you are, how long you've been around Grace, even though you always say it like it's a bad thing, it's a good thing, and uh, what your word is and what it means to you. Sure. Well, I'm Bryce Gray. I've been here for almost 30 years, and I serve as an elder, currently on sabbatical. Uh, Yeah, the morning of New Year's Eve, one of our sons said, you know, let's do that word thing that Martin said, and let's share it with each other. And the word that came to me was best friends. And the concept was, let's have this be a year where I really try to grow into what does it mean to be best friends with God. And it's, it's already been fun to see some of the verses that have jumped out about friendship. So that's what I sense God's been stirring in me. So do you think that he's going to ask something different of you? Have you started to get a sense of what, what he wants different? I'm sorry, I didn't ask that question last night. So it's kind of... <laughs> anyway. I'm not prepared for that. No. <laughs> uh, I do. Like, I'm a very task check. The, like, I like those things like the Bible readings. I can check it off. I did my kind of task of the day. And as I think about what does it mean to be friends with Melissa, you know, we go on walks, we talk, we go on dates. There's a sense of heart connection, not just the task. That's the sense I have. That's great. Uh, which one of the Coleman's want to go next? They got a mic. All right, Jessica. Hi. Hi. Glad you're here. Hi. Tell Thank us you. Uh, who you are a little bit, yes. why you're up here, because so, I made you. Okay. I couldn't remember last night, so but I remember this time. Hi, I'm Jessica, <laughs> and I am married to Gerald, who's a pastor here on staff, And we've been here at Grace for, I don't know, between a year and a half, almost two years. We're almost coming up on two years. And um, for me, I really took to heart what Doug had said about the word finding you. And um, I was kind of really seeking, but I didn't want, I didn't want to make up a word. I didn't want to, I don't know, I wanted it to find me. And so when he first asked me to come up here, I told him no, because I didn't have a word. And I didn't want to And she like say no anyway when I asked her, no. Yeah. So, and then he kind of texted me back again and just was like, it's okay if you're not there and just to share that experience as well. And so um, I let him know I'd think about it. And then I kind of was like, all right, Lord, I really got to get serious about this. And um, I was going upstairs to do my devotions and I just heard a word drop in my spirit, which was breathe, breath. And... Um, when I first thought about it, I was like, that's kind of weird. I'm not really sure, Lord, if that's you. And so I went to do my devotions, and usually I do the lectionary. And that day I was like, Lord, I really want to know if this is really you. So I'm just going to randomly open my Bible, and if that word is on the page, I'm going to know it's you. Now, let's just admit how many of you have ever done it. Come on. Come on. I, I'm that super spiritual Christian. <laughs> so sure enough, I turned to Isaiah 2. And there it was. It says, stop regarding man whose breath, whose nostrils is just full with breath. And um, it kind of hit me like, okay, Lord, as a pastor's wife, as a mother of six children, um, I feel like there's so many times that I wrestle with labels that um, I feel people might put on me or expectations of what I should be doing or what I shouldn't be doing. And I feel like the Lord said in that moment, I just want you to stop focusing on all those things. Stop focusing what man is saying. And I want you to focus on me. 
the giver of breath, the breath of life. And, um, and so for me, this season is, oh, thank you, Lord. He's good. That's awesome. Um, I think the invitation and challenge for me is to, um, the challenge is to stop worrying about what I think people are thinking. Um, and the invitation is just to breathe in his breath of life. Yeah. So That's awesome. Well, you... Uh... I thought it was very profound. So, you know, we're in this book in Philippians and the analogy that Paul's writing about is running a race. And you shared something with me after the service yesterday. Will you share that real quick? Just yeah. Because so, what I love about this is your word is going to come in layers. I just, I guarantee you as you sink into it, you're going to be like, oh, I know what he means. And then you're like, oh, there's more. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just going to come in layers. And I just thought this was a good example of the, the layers of one word. Absolutely. So last night after the service, it was funny because as I was thinking about what I wanted to share about breathing, I had an analogy about running. And I was like, well, I haven't ran in for a long time. And I don't Might have wanna... something to do with having six kids. Just yeah. So. yeah, little. <laughs> um, but after I listened to Doug preach last night, he talked a lot about running. And I was like, oh, Lord, I really do hear you. So... Um, but I, the analogy for me was when I used to run, um, every once in a while there'd be a run where my side would start hurting and it would be an, an immediate indicator that my breathing was off. And, um, and so when my side would start hurting, I would start, like, I would stop and say, okay, I gotta start breathing right. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, in through your nose, out through your mouth. And um, for me, even last night, even thinking about this morning, I felt like the next layer of this word for me is also when I start getting that side pain, when I start getting, you know, distracted by those outward expectations or outward labels, it's time yeah, for me to um, stop and um, breathe. Breathe. Yeah. Yes. Um, but there was another word that I had for it. But anyway, oh, rest. Rest oh, in my sure. identity. Yeah. That's what the word was. was awesome. um, yeah, when I feel that pain coming, it's just a reminder that I just need to stop and rest in my identity. So. That's awesome. Thank you, Jess. Thanks. <laughs> so, Mel? Me? Are you going to drop the mic? So, yeah, every time Gerald I try to drop the mic, the people in the booth up there are like, no, 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 no. You don't know how much we pay for those mics. Go ahead. So um, my word came to me, I was sitting right over there in our usual spot, and um, the word completion came to me. And I knew that was from the Lord because that's a word I never would have, you know, picked. So that word definitely found me. And I told Doug, I'm really not sure what that means yet. Um, my sense is that there were some promises that were spoken to me um, even way back in my teenage years, that God is just going to begin to bring to completion. So we'll see. I'll let you know. That's great. Thank you. And actually, yeah, you know, as we talked about it, and Mel was like, well, I'm not sure. I haven't worked it out. I wanted you to hear that as well. Like, you may have gotten the word, and you're still trying to figure out what's going on. We had uh, some prayer time this morning, and one of the people prayed, you know, Pray for all the people who haven't got a word. That's okay, too. Don't, we don't want you to rush into this. We don't want you to pick a word. It's okay if God's given you a word and you're still having to just sit with him. That's a beautiful process, right? Just, Lord, I'm not sure what you're saying, but help me to understand more. G? Yes, uh, my word, I felt like that found me was the word build. Um, and, you know, as I, I was like, okay, Lord, build, all right? What do you mean by that? And 
you know, the, there were several things that came out later of what was meant by built. Uh, the first one was to build an altar. And that was really to prioritize my time with him. I do that, but to really realize that, you know, I sometimes I'm too busy to do it, but really I'm too busy not to do it. And so really build that altar. Then the other thing was to build up my family. And uh, as, a, as a father, a husband, sometimes there's a lot of challenge and wanting your kids to get it right, wanting them to do well, there's always the fixing what is wrong or trying to correct and really how much am I building them up, encouraging them and speaking life into them. And uh, the same as of building into my wife and edifying her as well. Uh, and then the other thing is that we've had some dreams for a long time that we have, haven't had the opportunity to uh, see, you know, manifest or come to pass. And I felt like I say, okay, this is the year where you can start building some of those things together. So really excited about that. That's great. All right. So would you uh, thank these guys for coming? I need that mic. And I'm going to ask you guys to help strike the stools. You guys can, ladies can leave. We're not going to make you carry stools. Thank you. Set it right back here, if you don't mind. That way everybody will see what's going on. Grab your Bibles. We're in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we've been staying in the same chapter of Scripture, for, and we're going to do it for five weeks. So we've covered two weeks. This is week three. Uh, what we saw last week, as we looked at the very first verse of chapter 3, is that Paul is giving us uh, what we would call safeguards, right? He says, I am writing this to you again to safeguard your journey with Jesus. I'm giving you these words to act as guardrails to keep you on the path of walking with Jesus to help safeguard your faith. And so what we've discovered is there are five elements that come out of this chapter that serve to help us to live into what God has called us to. In this case, to help us live out and live into the word that he's given us. Each one of these becomes, if you will, a launching pad, a springboard, a, a catalyst to keep us on track and help us do it. And the first one that we covered uh, week one was that you know Christ. And remember, that was the idea when Paul writes in chapter three, I count everything as lost. What he's saying is the most important thing in my mind, the words I used that week was what leads my mind is knowing Christ. All right, and we talk, that's when we talked about the fact that I've been moving and, and uh, there's been weeks and days where what led my mind is the process of moving, getting one house ready well, to sell and one house ready to move into. It just consumed my mind. And in those moments, I'm going to lose my ability in the moment to stay on track, to walk faithfully with God. And in my case, the, you know, my word is joy. I'm going to lose my, my, my sense of joy because I'm distracted by all the other things of life. So the first thing is to know Christ. And the other one was that we would press on. So the idea there was that you're going to stumble. You're going to have days like I had last week where joy is difficult and I can either get uh, defeated, dejected. I can fall away. And Paul is, has this beautiful self-assessment. He says, I know that I haven't taken hold of everything. I know that I haven't arrived, but one thing I do I press on, right? I, I keep going. I keep moving forward. And so there's a need for us to understand that this is a journey. 
You don't just say a prayer and you arrive, that there's a journey that you're a part of, and that if it's difficult, that's okay, but you have to learn to press on. And then for the next few weeks, we'll get to the other three. So we're in uh, chapter three, and I'm going to read for you the same exact passage that we read last week, but the, the third element comes out of that passage as well. So starting in verse 12, Paul writes these words. He says, not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. There's press on, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Verse 13, brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Lord, I just pray in these next few minutes that you would help to uh, crystallize this third element of walking faithfully with you, that you would use my words to lock something in. We pray uh, the prayer that we pray every week, that we would leave different than we came because we stood in the presence of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the third safeguard comes out of that verse 13 where it says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead. And what I want to do is unpack the second part of that verse first. And so he says they're straining forward for, for what lies ahead, right? And, and what lies ahead, he actually tells us, is this, this knowing Christ, of having the full knowledge of Christ, of getting to the place where in this, not in this life, but in the afterlife, where we know Christ, we, we know Christ as much as he knows us. And, and so there's this picture of, of having a clear understanding of what the finish line is. And this is important because quite often we get ourselves uh, short of the actual finish line. So you may say, man, if I could just have a dynamic ministry, if I could just have a great career, if I could just have a, a wonderful family, if I could just raise my kids and they grow up to, to walk with God and to be, those are all great things. Those are all good things, but that is not the end thing. That is not the finish line, right? And as soon as we get in our mind that that's the finish line, then we aren't going to run all the way through the end. Does that make sense? So it's not that those are, are not worthwhile goals and they're not things we should strive for. They absolutely are. The, the thing here is we have to have a clear understanding of what the end is, right? So, for, so he says that he, he, he looks ahead, he sees what the actual finish line is is. Remember, this is a, a word picture. It's a word picture of runners. And if you have ever run, whether track or whatever, uh, or even watched running on, on TV, the one thing they will teach you is never look behind. Even as a marathon runner, they're told, don't look behind. You, it'll slow you down. It takes energy. There's all kinds of reasons. So think about it. If you're, this is even more important if you're a sprinter, right? So if you look behind, you're going to go slower. But, but if you look behind, you may actually get out of your lane, right, and be disqualified and run, or more, even more catastrophic, if you're looking behind you, you're way more likely to trip and fall, and that's going to be a problem if you're a runner, right? So, so here's the picture. It's this picture of have your eyes on the finish line. Make sure that your eyes are on eternity. Make sure your eyes are on standing before Jesus in eternity. That's your finish line, and run towards that, okay? And then he says these words, and this is our third uh, element, is forget the past, now, here's the deal. I believe this is the hardest of the five safeguards for us to wrap our minds around. And part of the reason it's hard is because we can't really take it uh, completely literally. 
And if we did, then Paul has already violated the idea of forgetting the past. If you just read Philippians alone, he talks about his, who he used to be. He talks about being a Pharisee. He talks about his accomplishments and ministries. He talks about people that have heard him, and he talks about people that have helped him. Paul is constantly writing about his past. So this isn't about some kind of mental block where I, just, I, I only look forward. Nothing that's ever happened to me matters. I don't even know that I have a past. That would be silly. Not only would it be silly, it would be impossible. So he must be saying something something else other than just block out anything that's ever happened to you. And so what does it mean? I think it's easier to uh, grab onto this and understand it if we go to a Hebrews passage. So if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, I will come up on the screen if you don't want to turn there. Uh, so this, the writer of Hebrews is using the almost exact same analogy, the analogy of a run, and he is saying in Hebrews 1, uh, he is telling us that if you're going to run, you're going to have to physically do something here. So Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance, there you go, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see the end goal in that second verse, but we see the same word picture. And the reason I went to this, this word picture is because it basically says, throw off every weight, right? And so I think the NIV may say that we are to uh, throw off every, anything that clings to you, that keeps you from running, right? So that's the picture that we have. So I'm gonna need your help for just a moment. Are there any runners in the house? Now, you, you have to be honest with me. So if you are a runner, raise your hand. Okay, very non-committal from all of you. All right. So is there anyone in the room who can run a sub eight-minute mile? Okay, good. Anyone in the room that can run a sub? If you don't know what I'm talking about, then the answer is no. Is there anyone? What's a sub? I can't eat, eat a sub at the same time. That's never going to work. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Anyone that can run a sub seven-minute mile? Wow. How about sub six-minute mile? Anybody? Hard for me to see. Who's got their hand up? Aaron. Aaron, I would love for you to come down and see me on the stage then. So, Aaron, you're not really going to come down? Come on. I wasn't kidding. Come here. I need you. It'll be fast, I promise. And this is why people don't raise their hands in church, right? Hi, Aaron. So Aaron runs cross country for? Taylor University. Taylor University. <laughs> woo, woo. All right, so um, you can come up here in the light so people can see. So uh, I'm, I like to run two things. I've been running a long time. Uh, and I'm very slow. So maybe nine, ten-minute miles are kind of like a good run. So if I was going to challenge you to a three-mile race, which is about what you run in yeah. cross-country, uh, and offer you $100, and you knew that I was telling you the truth, we, you'd probably take the bet, right? You'd, yeah. you'd, you'd race me for $100. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Yeah? You got talking to the mic. Okay, yeah. You're confident? Okay. But here's the deal. You have to carry this block. I'm not going to carry the block, but you have to run carrying this block. So you want to see how heavy it is just to see how it feels for you? All right, so, all right. You still, still think you could beat me in a? Maybe. Wow. 
Okay, you have to carry both these blocks. Now do you think you can beat me in a Maybe race? Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. And what if you had three? It'd probably be likely it'd be pretty hard to even finish, right? Yeah. All right. That's all there was to it. You did great. Thank you. Thank you. The point's pretty obvious, but this is us. Like, God is calling us to run a race, but... And I, and I really mean it. I think all of us, no matter where we are in the journey, are still running with unnecessary weights, right? And they are encumbering our ability to run well. And so the passage is saying, you need to forget the past, or if we use the Hebrews passage, throw off anything that's weighing you down, anything that's keeping you from running Unencumbered. So when we see the words forget the past, what we have to do is say, well, we're not supposed to block out. What we have to do is actually remember our past and remember it with accuracy and say, well, what are the things in my past? What are the things in my life that are weighing me down? And then forget the past and, and throw off would be the same thing. How do we deal with them? How do we get rid of those areas of our lives that we need to get rid of? And, and as I put together the sermon, um, there were Lots of things that came to mind. So I began to just pray for you and say, God, show me what you think are some of the, the weights that we as a church, that we as a body of believers are carrying. I'm going to just give you four. And what I would encourage you is, is if one of the four hits you, great. Then just allow God to use that. But just don't think to yourself, well, I don't have any of those. I'm good to go. Ask him. I could have talked about 20 different weights that we carry, 20 things that, that encumber us and keep us from moving. So the, the first of these... I think it's on here, is shame. And what is shame? Shame is, is this overwhelming sense of not being a good person. It's a sense of being unclean or, 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 or um, defiled could be a word. So uh, if you listen ever listen to Brene Brown, she does a whole lot of work on, on shame. And one of the things she said that stuck with me is, is conviction or a conscience about a behavior can be a great thing because it leads us towards repentance or it leads us to... So you can feel I have done something bad that's good. That's conviction, right? But if you feel I am bad, that's shame. And, and I just want you to know, Satan wants you to feel shame. That's why that verse is in there. It says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what he's getting after when, when we hear that is, is that in Christ, we don't have to carry shame. So the, the question for you is when you remember your past, when you remember an incident in your past or a time in your past, and maybe it's not even very far in your past, maybe it's way back, do you feel dirty? Do you feel tarnished? Do you feel less than? Do you have a desire to hide it? Would you be painfully embarrassed if people knew that part of your past? That's shame, right? And, and we're carrying shame, and it keeps us from running unencumbered. It keeps us from running without being bogged down. The second one is sin. Somebody asked me if these were styrofoam, and I'm just faking it when I lift them up. Yes. No, they're not styrofoam. <laughs> People ask the funniest questions. Anyway, I don't need to do a lot of explanation of sin. I think we know what sin is. But what I want you to hear about sin is, uh, when I put the block up here, what I had in mind is 
willful disobedience. Look, we, we all sin. You know, there are times when I say what I shouldn't say, when I snap at Meg, there's times when I'm just not doing what I should do, all, all of that. But, but there's a difference between that and just willfully walking into something that's destructive for you. And some of you already know what I'm talking about because that's what you're struggling with. So it's that picture of just willful sin. And, and you cannot live into your word. God gives you a word and, and live into willful disobedience at the same time. It is going to uh, keep you from living out whatever word God gives you. So when we talk about sin, we're talking about willful disobedience. And the question that I want you to ask is, is what do you know in this moment that you're holding back What do you know that you want to hang on to that God is telling you to release and give to him when it comes to a behavior? The third weight is unforgiveness. Can't wait till I do the fourth one. Yikes. So here the idea is, um, so if you go back to the Philippians passage and you were to read it, Uh, that word forgetting actually could have been uh, translated overlooking. And I think in some ways that might be a better word or a better explanation of what he's saying. Again, we're not blocking out our mind. But, you know, God doesn't forget our sin. Like, it's not like he doesn't remember what we did. He knows everything about us. He knows our lives. But he overlooks our sin, right? Right? And that's the idea uh, that we want to get to with unforgiveness. Just blocking something out of your memory and pretending like something bad didn't happen to you doesn't really uh, take you to a place of experiencing forgiveness. Forgiveness is knowing that someone has wronged you and being willing to overlook that offense, right? Overlook it and, 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 and still see them in, in a different way. So here's the question that I would ask to see if unforgiveness is still in you. So when you think of someone that's close to you, it could be a parent, it could be a sibling, uh, it could be a, a close friend, it could be a child, uh, it could be a spouse. When you think of that person uh, that's close to you and, you and something that they've done to you, when you think of them, do you become historical? Some of you are thinking, did he say historical or hysterical? Hysterical is a different sermon, and I did say historical on purpose. Here's the idea. If when that person wrongs you, when that person makes a minor offense, do you go back to every offense that that person has ever done in your mind? Do you replay the tape of all the ways that that person has hurt you? Do you even sometimes remind them of all of the ways they hurt you? If you are a person that becomes historical whenever you are hurt, then I am telling you, you are still carrying unforgiveness and you are not able to run the race unencumbered. It is a weight that you're carrying. Every time I talk about this, Someone comes to me and says, yeah, but you don't know what that person did to me. And you're absolutely right, and it really doesn't matter. Because unforgiveness is the weight that you're carrying, not them. And so you can keep carrying it, or you can say, I can lay it down, and I want to run unencumbered, okay? Unforgiveness is a big one. And the last one is secrets. I'm not sure I want to put it up there. Yeah, we talked about this in my office with uh, G and uh, Rock, and we were talking about secrets, and Rock made this great point that, look, this isn't about uh, full disclosure to everybody. Discretion is, is wisdom here, right? 
everybody doesn't have to know everything, but somebody should. Somebody in your life should know all of your secrets. There should be no secrets with someone, someone that you've confessed those things that you would rather not talk to any, anybody about. So when Dr. Rob Reimer was here, he talked about doing a total confession. Look, you don't wanna do that with somebody you've only had coffee with once. Right, But if there's someone in your life, and actually, I would encourage you, if you're in a D group, if you're not, I'd encourage you to come to the D group experience. And if you are, this is a great question to ask for the next few weeks even. Are there secrets that you want to just get out in the open, to, to lose its grip on you, right? And so the, the question that I would ask there to help you to kind of process if there's secrets, is there a part of your life or an event in your life that, that no one knows and that you feel in this moment you are completely unwilling to share it with anyone. Look, those kinds of secrets are a weight. Anytime you have a secret, some of your energy, your mental energy, has to go into maintaining and protecting the secret. The energy that you would be using to run the race, to, 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 to reach the prize, is going into protecting that secret that's out there. So... The other part of this that I just want to take you to that I just think is, is fascinating is if you look back at our Philippians passage, and we've talked about it enough, you don't have to go there. One of the things we know is that Paul is talking about the effects of bad religion. He's actually saying, hey, I used to be a Pharisee. I used to work for everything that I got from God. I used to practice bad religion. And again, I was talking to G about this, and we were just talking about how bad religion is still gets in the way. So whenever we take our minds off of knowing Christ, our minds off of who Christ is and the way he died for us on the cross, his sacrificial love, the grace that he extends to us, the minute we stop having our mind on that and we begin to work for any of these, the minute you begin to work to make your word happen in your own power, it becomes an act of religion. And what I want you to know is all of these are going to become more prevalent in that moment, right? So if you don't live with a clear understanding of the grace and the forgiveness of God, then you are a person who will be far less forgiving towards others. When you start to recognize how much God has forgiven you, it's easier to extend forgiveness to others. If you have a religious mindset and you're working to please God and to impress God, you will be doing the same thing for people. So you're never going to talk about your shame or admit your sins because that's going to damage your reputation. And after all, we're working for something and we're putting on air. So all of these become pronounced, if you will, and more, more, more prominent when we have, are practicing bad religion. Anything that's not grace, anything that's not forgiveness, anything that's not the work of the spirit within us. One of the things I love uh, is communion. And you guys have heard me say that often, but uh, think about this. Uh, clearly, we are called to remember Right? So when we take communion together, every time you do this, remember me, right? So the trick here is forgetting the past is not forgetting everything that's happened in the past. It's remembering things in its right and proper light. Anything that isn't helping you, anything that's keeping you from running unencumbered, you need to throw that off. But those things in your past that help you to walk faithfully with God, like a moment to think about who Jesus is, 
right? And all that he accomplished on the cross, that's a memory that's going to help you. When you think about when God has shown up in your life in a powerful way, that's gonna help you to walk faithfully. When you think about the people in your life that have come alongside of you and helped you in down times, that's gonna help you to walk. So some of your memories are actually going to help you to reach the finish line. The question is, is it toxic? Is it a weight? Or is it giving you wind behind your run, right? Okay, so we're gonna move towards communion. And what I wanna do is slow communion down just a little bit than what we have done in the past uh, and just give you a chance to reflect. You have these four words, but maybe God has already spoken a different uh, something uh, into your life that you're carrying. Uh, so the band is gonna come and they're just gonna begin to play. Uh, if the servers would come on down, they're gonna hand out the elements. In our, in our tradition, uh, if you've said yes to Jesus, communion is for you. Uh, you don't have to be a member here at Grace, but if Jesus is, is your Lord and Savior, then we would encourage you to take it with us. Uh, we will take the elements together, but as they pass it out, I just want you to ask the Lord, what am I carrying that's keeping me from running unencumbered? What are the cinder blocks that keep me from running? And then leave it. Give it to God and ask him, what do you have for me in exchange? Okay, so you're gonna do that. You're just gonna prayerfully consider that as the elements are passed out and then we'll uh, take the elements and uh, wrap up the service. So Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us. I'm grateful for how you move in our lives, but we just pray right now that you would speak to each person individually. Show us what we need to throw off, what hinders our ability to run the race well.
take communion, there are two particular um, passages in Scripture that stick with me. One is where it says that knowing everything before him. But what that tells us is Jesus, Jesus knew, right? He knew everything that was about to happen. Right? And that's just before he washes the disciples' feet in the same scene where they take the Last Supper. Knowing everything that was before him, he showed him the full extent of his love. But the other thing that the scriptures tell us is that on the very night that he was betrayed, and I just stop there so often and just think how amazing that is. Like knowing the betrayal he was about to face, the way he loved friends and I think about the unforgiveness that I carry in my heart and I just think how is that possible to have that level of betrayal and at the same moment of betrayal to extend this incredible love and mercy and grace it's just a picture of the gospel right yet while we were enemies Christ died for us so the scriptures tell us that while they were in the room taking the meal Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you take it, remember me. And it says in the same way, he took the cup, Elijah's cup, the cup of sacrifice, the cup that had been passed around for 1,400 years at every meal, every Passover meal, they would hand out this cup in anticipation of the coming Messiah. And he held up that cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you every time you drink it. Remember me. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that we would have our eyes focused on you and nothing else allow you to lead our minds, that we would press on when things are tough, and that we would forget the parts of our past that are just a heavy weight to keep us from running unencumbered. Amen. So the passage talks about the fact that after they took the meal, they sang together, so that's part of our tradition. But before we sing, I just want to read something to you that just... Uh, I don't know if this ever happens to you. I hope it doesn't make you insecure for me to say this, but as I was reading Hebrews, uh, I read a passage that I had never seen before. I'm sure that I've read it, because uh, I've read Hebrews a few times, but i just never seen this passage, and it was, uh, it's just an amazing verse. So this is right after the writer of Hebrews said, throw off everything that hinders. In verse 12, he says, therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight the path of your feet. So that what is lame, he's talking about our bodies, what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Imagine running with two of these, how much your knees would hurt, how much your arms would hurt, right? So we're still in the process of moving things around in our house as we do the move. Um, and I was carrying a chair upstairs and my knees hurt as I was taking those steps. There was actually pain in my knees and God took me back to this verse like, that's the picture, like our joints are sore, we are weary, we are tired, and Jesus says, look, just come to me, all you are weary, give me your weights, and run unencumbered. 
Lift your hands, strengthen your knees. So I just encourage you to stand right now and we're just gonna sing about the extravagant, reckless love of God. This is just for you. Uh, keep in your mirror and your, if you're a reader in a book, there's a bookmark just to keep the word in front of you. Just follow the prompts. It will help you out. Uh, we gather, a group of people gather every uh, morning, half hour before the service to pray for you. And we often just listen and ask God, what is it that you want to do? And they had a real sense that there's somebody in the room who's just feeling a great sense of painful loneliness. Uh, feeling disconnected, we would love for you to come down and let us pray for that. Uh, someone is dealing with a wayward child that's creating a great deal of angst for them. We would love to pray for that as well. And uh, somebody is just asking God for breakthrough. 
Uh, so if that's you and you just want to come down, the prayer folks will be down here in front. They'll have lanyards on and you can just go up to them. They would love to just be with you and pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. God bless. Have a great day. Let's do that again.